I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. All right, here we go. Let us grab your hand and guide you through what might be a league-changing quarter of basketball. The Cavaliers right now lead the Pacers by three with a minute to go in the third quarter. Good afternoon wherever you are across our Fox Sports Radio and iHeartRadio platforms. We are live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com for a free rate quote. Jim Jackson, I am so fascinated by something that is happening within this game right now. Um, So... Uh, without getting too much into details, uh, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I got two kids at home that are dealing with something, some sort of stomach bug. And then secondarily, um, I got some pretty bad news about a friend this morning. And so I'm dragging a little bit and, and you know, it's kind of maybe a little bit harder to focus than normal. So I'm thinking, okay, we've got to go do a radio show. Got to get the energy up. It's one of those days. Got to, okay, we got to pull it out a little bit. I need to, in a much smaller forum compartmentalize, which is exactly what Tristan Thompson is doing right now. He started suddenly in game seven. He's got a double-double. If any guys are watching with their wives, the guys right now are not answering questions about how Thompson is really good at boxing out. They're asking and answering questions about what in the hell was this guy thinking when he blank, blank, blank over the last couple of weeks. And so when they announced his when they announced him in the starting lineup, um, I am I'm sitting here looking at this going, how does he have his head screwed on straight? How do guys do it? Yeah, it's part it's called being professional. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, 
we've seen it before with Kobe Bryant. Again, different scenario where he had to deal with his court trial, uh, going back and forth to Denver, and then performing at a high level, being able to feel comfortable that that was his space to kind of let everything go, which is on the court. Tristan struggled with it early on, but it seems like by watching and getting the chance now to start gave him a different perspective, a different focus, different confidence. And, and, and that bled over in that first quarter and pretty much to the first half of the Cavs because of what he brings to the table. You know, we saw the defense, the pick and roll defense, his ability to offensive rebound, his ability to clog up the lane. That's his job. You got to go back to 2016 in game seven when he had an impact on that game. You can you you know what he brings to the table, hundred percent, and he stayed within that box, not trying to do too much, but do his job, and it benefited the Cavs early on. Now the Cavs still need some help from their outside scoring, but give Tristan Thompson a lot of credit uh, for coming in and basically doing his job. Uh, the Cavaliers right now, final possession of the third quarter, they're going to miss, and therefore we're going to the fourth. With the Cavs, oh, wow, the, the length of the court shot almost went in. Cavs up by two, but hold everything we were just talking about with Tristan Thompson for a moment. LeBron James just left the floor. He just checked out for the first time in this game, and when I say left the floor, I mean he left the floor. He checked out and went straight to the locker room. What do you think you want to get? Uh, 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 <laughs> get I don't know, in. like an emergency <laughs> or something? Like, what, what do you, I mean, this is, this is like a breathtaking moment right now because... The Cavs are up by two, but if he doesn't come back out of that locker room, they're going to be down by 15 in the next, well, that's uh, a big in the next couple of minutes, that, That's right? a big if. Is He's it? coming back out. He's coming back out? Yeah, Superman left the building real quick. He had to check on a couple things. You know, What's your guess? IV? Maybe. He Maybe. wasn't limping, right? No. He just walked to the locker room. Well, and, 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 it's, a, and it's a difference because – Maybe he's going to announce his decision. A guy can I don't play, know. A, a guy can play the whole game <laughs> – but it's how you play that game. He expends so much energy, not only trying to score for himself, but right. set up his teammates. I thought it was smart in that second quarter to put him on the block. Now he doesn't have to work as hard offensively to score. He can conserve some of that energy on the offensive end. He made plays for his teammates, and he was able to score. And that's the part of the game I thought that he could utilize a lot more, kind of going back to that second year in Miami when he kind of just flourished in the post position that allows you to get a break a little bit, even though you have some bumping and grinding on the post, but you're not working as hard as you would be 23, 24 feet away from the basket. Um, we do have a little bit more on this story. Let's go to Kevin Figures right now. Kev, good afternoon. What's going on, and what do you have on this? Hey, gentlemen. So I did see LeBron James walking off the court. We haven't gotten an official update on his status yet, but he was limping a little gingerly. Okay. It looked, if I had to do my uh, – a very, very non-expert diagnosis. Maybe cramping up a little bit. Uh, went to the well, went to the back for so I was walking slowly, slightly gingerly. I don't know if it's anything too serious, but if I had to guess, oh. looked like he might have been cramping up a little bit. Okay. But I'll, I'll have an update as soon as as soon as I get word. Kev, thanks, appreciate that. And I, I, I mean, listen, you can already hear social media. Oh gosh, oh gosh. I mean, there's precedent here. Remember San Antonio yep. a few years ago? Yep. <laughs> I don't even. I don't like. I, I, as a sports fan and a media guy, I don't even want to deal with the reaction to this if he can't get back out on the floor or somehow appears hobbled. If if he does, um, this is going to be this is going to be massive. But the funny thing is, and maybe not funny, but the interesting thing to me is 
you know, what you were just talking about. So trying to find ways to lessen LeBron's load. And it hasn't really worked. He started the game. He hit his first seven shots. The rest of the team during that time was six for 18. Now here he is, headed to the locker room in the fourth quarter out of either some sort of injury cramping, sheer exhaustion, because in a game seven on his home floor, he's having to do all of this by himself, and it still might not be enough. Jim, isn't this precisely why in two months he's going to put a different jersey on? I mean, uh, hey, uh, hey, let's say yeah, it. Well, listen. You don't the, have to put your name on yeah, it. I'll no, put no, mine no, on no, it. No, but like, this Cavs team is who they are, okay? You talk about lessening the load. The only way you do that is other, other guys able to step up. You know, and I talked about this before. This Cavs team in the past, when they had a seven, eight-point lead, because you had a Kyrie, could extend the lead because you had that second guy. When he was in Miami, to extend the lead, it was Dwayne Wade that stepped up and made big shots. With this iteration of this Cavs team, you don't have that guy that can really go get it himself off the dribble, that can force the defense to have to guard, to make plays for his teammates effectively. So it, it lends to the thought process of what moves can the Cavs make in order to keep LeBron James there to get him that second guy. We, it, you just don't know. So the question is, is LeBron mentally – mentally there with doing everything again next year, depending on what happens, you know, during the course of this playoffs, of course. So it's a legitimate question, man. It it really is. He's coming back out onto the floor right now. So here comes Willis Reed, and uh, he's coming out onto the bench, and uh, he's not even sitting down. Like, I mean, he's going right to the scorer's table. Uh, Meantime, there hasn't been – we're a minute into the fourth quarter. There hasn't been any scoring. It remains a Cavs two-point lead. Uh, check that. He is now sitting down, uh, although I think we might have a timeout on the floor. So we're going to keep you up to date on exactly what happens, possibly the final quarter for LeBron James as a Cavalier, and at the moment, he's not in the game. Here's another observation, though, Jim. Um, having watched this game really closely, mm-hmm. the Pacers started so slow. There were five minutes to go until halftime, and they only had 21 points. They started so slow, and they're still into this thing. And I got to looking at it, and I've watched a handful of these Cavs-Pacers games, not every minute of the series. But I'm telling you, man, LeBron, I don't know that he would admit this or even feel this, they want no part of getting through the East. They want no part of getting to the NBA Finals. If one of these teams, I don't care who it is, gets to the NBA Finals, they're going to get absolutely embarrassed. Okay, cramps is what they're saying on LeBron. He's back on the bench. We'll see how quickly he gets in there. Uh, George Hill was fouled on the three-pointer, hit all three uh, free throws. They're up by five. They get crushed, right? Well, it's a different scenario, bro. And and I get you on that, and we were talking about it, that they don't have the weapons, of course, to compete against a Houston or a Golden State. But keep in mind, in playoff scenarios, championships, things happen. And – you always got to give yourself the best opportunity. Injuries can happen, foul trouble, whatever it may be, to do it. But this iteration, I talked about this team, pace of play and how they play. It, it doesn't match up with the Houstons or the Golden State Warriors. It, it just doesn't. But that doesn't mean you don't go play the game. That doesn't mean that you don't believe that you can compete and still be able to win. Keep in mind, we talked about that first iteration of this Cleveland Cavaliers season. I keep using that word iteration. 
against a Golden State team who was young, yes. who didn't understand how to win, but Cleveland was able to steal two games. Okay, and they had an opportunity in Game One of that series to win it at Golden State. True. Okay, so you had you had opportunities if you can maintain and manage the game. That's that's well. First of all, you got to get through Indiana. Say you get through Indiana. Now you got to go through Toronto, right? Okay, Philly and, and Philly. So you got to get through that first and manage that with LeBron staying relatively healthy and energized before you even get to the finals, okay? Where is his energy level at that point when you get there? Is it totally drained? Does somebody else step up? You can't go get anybody. I, I just think, you, you know, if I'm, if I'm guessing where LeBron's head is at, this is going to work better if he doesn't make the finals. Because if he makes the finals, one, people will say, why not just stay in Cleveland? You're really, really close. And two... Uh, he's going to end up with what might be a sweep and, and four losses by 25 points. If if he bows out early, it's almost like it gives him uh, to the outward world uh, the ammo and the reason why but, but he's hold going up. somewhere but, but, else. But hold up, wouldn't it wouldn't it give him the ammo too that if he gets to the finals because he d- he doesn't have the team also ammo. Like he's done everything he could to get his team to the finals. Well, I get him to the point, but yet. The, the current makeup of the team won't allow him to really compete and win the title. My guess is is that he's leaving either way. And sure, where, you, where is he going? L.A. Okay. Okay, with who? Because they well, – LeBron, Paul, LeBron – Le, oh, Yeah, well – Paul George. You know, and, and we're going to talk about Paul George okay. just, 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 just a little bit in regards to what we saw uh, in that um, last series for OKC against uh, Utah – He's going to have to have another player go because even with him going to the Lakers, that still puts you third behind Golden State and Houston. Yeah, I don't think there's a scenario that puts anybody in front of Golden State. But, yeah, we can get into Paul George. And also, coming up next, let's say he does leave. What happens to the city of Cleveland? There's kind of a built-in changing of the guard (laughs) uh, that's, that's ready to take place that we'll tell you about. Solomon Wilcox. In about 15 minutes with Jim Jackson, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio. Okay, there goes LeBron over to the scores table. So he got what? 825 to go in the game. Cavs by eight, but the Pacers have a free throw coming. So you got three and a half minutes of game time rest plus the end of the third quarter. So got a good, you know, five, eight minutes of just rest. That you know that <laughs> I'm telling that, you, man. That man, you got to seal them when you can, bro. This is this is a whole lot of tension. Okay, there's just like too much to process that's on the line in a quarter like this. Game seven, LeBron. But don't, isn't that how you want it? Yeah, you you want you want games like this. Yes. You, you oh, want yeah. you want for, the, the intrigue for a fan. This it's fantastic. Oh, hell yeah, it's fantastic. Yes. All right, um, Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, Fox Sports Radio, and Solomon Wilcox going to join us in a little bit. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance? Probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Let me ask you this. Because this is, you know, uh, among all the dynamics at play right now, uh-huh. I was thinking about this. Let's let's say uh, LeBron does leave. You know, what happens suddenly to the city of Cleveland? There's a hell of a personality that just entered the sports framework there. Um, his name is Baker Mayfield. And the problem with that is 
Like, I think Baker, the person, the personality is absolutely big enough to handle it all, but it's a matter of whether or not his play is good enough to handle that all. And uh, as we sit here, uh, you know, a day after the draft ends, there's no way for any of us to know that. In fact, uh, it might even take a season or two before we really have an idea of what Baker Mayfield is. And so that's dangerous for the city of Cleveland because, you know, we're sitting here in Southern California and this, if LeBron leaves, reminds me a little bit of what took place when Kobe retired. When Kobe mm-hmm. retired, the city was like, okay, who's our guy? And the Lakers went out and drafted D'Angelo Russell. Nope, that wasn't it. Um, you had Chris Paul and Blake Griffin on the Clippers. And the Clippers, I would contend that brand, that team can't really have the guy of the city of L.A. And now they're both gone. I could look at Kershaw with mm-hmm. the Dodgers, mm-hmm. but um, with what happened then in the World Series combined with the fact that it's baseball and he's a really calm personality, not somebody who commands headlines, the city during this two-year time, in terms of like who's their guy, has felt a little lost. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and, and so that's what Cleveland might be entering into right now. Well, it was going to happen eventually. But they don't want it to happen this soon. They still want three to four more years of LeBron James. And, and Baker Mayfield is an interesting study because of his personality, because of his con- confidence, because of what he's been able to accomplish in college. Again, how does that transition over to professional sports? And it all goes back to how do you perform in your current situation? Can you carry the load? And a lot of it is dependent upon the Cleveland Browns and their management to build the right kind of team. And we've seen this before with the Browns, and I'm from Ohio, and I'm you know, some of the most loyal fans, but the decision-making in regards to how you build out the rest of that team in order to complement each other it is the challenge. Baker Mayfield is going to be in a situation where he's going to be behind the eight ball early in regards to past history of the Cleveland Browns. Okay, he's a, He has to fight that. The thing is, I think, with him is that when he gets there, he has to put his head down. He has to do whatever it takes to become – I think the player that the Browns want him to be. You, you, you I, I think in the AFC right now, for him, is do your job, okay, and manage the game. Manage the, if you manage the game and Cleveland wins six, seven games, mm. there you go. Okay, this that's an interesting word though, because when you tell a quarterback in the NFL to manage the game, you are saying. Um, you're not a star. You're not someone we can follow. We just want you to not screw well, that's, up. Well, that's early on. Okay. Because as a rookie, as a rookie, you know, we, you all have dreams. I'm going in and I'm turning this franchise around. Of course. But it's ways you can turn it around. And not necessarily going out gunslinging everywhere and then turning the ball, ball over. That's what, if you show the intelligence of how to lead a team as you continue to build out that roster to be more competitive, to get yourself in situations in the fourth quarter that you're competing for the win. You may come up short, but you're giving your team a chance to win. That's what you don't want to take away. You don't want to take the, from a quarterback position the opportunity for your team to win on your mistakes. That's what you don't want to do. Yeah, I, I look at this, though, also, and I think fair question for uh, Baker, for Josh Allen, for Josh Rosen, um, less so Sam Darnold, but those other three guys – I wonder how much the team even wants him to play this year. You know, Tyrod Taylor 
is not a bad quarterback. Right, right. And he now has a receiving core. He's got Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry. They drafted Nick Chubb and signed Carlos Hyde to mm-hmm. stand behind him. Yep. They got Njoku, the tight end from last year. This is a real offense that also, Miles Garrett coming back, like there are some pieces on defense in a division that I feel like is starting to come back to earth a little bit. Um, you know, there's no reason that six, seven, eight weeks into the season, the Browns can't be a 500 team. And if they are, you're not going to Baker Mayfield, are you? No, but in the same scenario for Tyrod managing the game, it's the same thing. So if you built around now, you got Carlos Hyde that can get you those tough yards, okay? Now you have a receiving core that can make plays, that can create separation. So now as a quarterback, how do I utilize these tools to our best advantage? How do I get us in position? In, in positions now that we can be successful. The defense has to take care of their end. On the offensive end, me as a quarterback, I have to be strategic enough to know and understand our game planning, but I also have to be strategic in understanding to know I can't afford to turn the football over. I just can't. That's what kills teams. And as a quarterback, the best ones that do it understand that dynamic and who they have around them and how to utilize those tools. Because at the end of the day, it makes me as a quarterback more effective. Solomon Wilcox is going to join us in about five minutes. We'll get to Paul George later on this hour. Um, the Cavs just cannot seem to shake the Pacers. They've got them right now by nine, but every time you think, okay, they've got it, uh, the Pacers put in a couple of threes and, and, uh, and they're right there. Uh, I also think based on what we've, uh, what we've seen so far in this fourth quarter, this is going to go really well for Kevin Love. Like, LeBron is back in there, but he's almost deferring because of these cramps if you're just joining us. Kevin Love is having a really good quarter, and that's – I mean, this is exactly kind of the PR that, that he needed with the way his playoffs were going so far. Yeah, and he had to find the rhythm. And it's funny, too, because you can go and struggle for two or three quarters, then all of a sudden the ball goes in and now you find your rhythm. Yes. And, and, and to me, it's like a guy has 20 points in the game, right? Okay, you had 20, shot the ball well, but were they impactful? Did they impact the game? Were they early in the first quarter, but in the second half, you only had four or five points? And even with Kevin Love, let's say now in the second half, especially in this fourth quarter, his points are impactful to the Cleveland Cavs winning. Mm -hmm. That's so important. And also it gives not only him confidence, but think about it now when you're running the pick and roll, the middle pick and roll, side pick and roll, now your team has confidence because Kevin Love is knocking down shots and it forces the defense to have to negotiate, navigate, and pay more attention to him. Well, I think it's also huge since they'll be building around him starting next year. You know? <laughs> so, uh, he needs to stop, show. Stop it. You just to, won't let that go. He needs to show He needs to show. LeBron is going to shock everybody and stay in Cleveland. You don't think that. <laughs> you, 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 you laughed a second and a half after they came out of your mouth. But listen, you do, do we – would it surprise you? Would it surprise you if he stayed? Um – a little bit, a little bit. I get that there's nowhere else that's perfect. Like, I, I don't feel like we talk about that enough. There's nowhere else that's perfect. The Lakers is not perfect. You're right. They wouldn't even be one of the top two teams in the West. The Sixers is not perfect. It would ruin Ben Simmons, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Rockets is not perfect. Uh, they would go into cap hell, and I don't know who would be the teammates of Chris Paul, James Harden, and LeBron James. Um None of it, and Cleveland staying not perfect. So I think he's got four choices, and none of them are perfect. Well, but but what's your 
when you when you weigh the options, if you're LeBron James, the the whole goal is getting to the finals and getting having a chance to win it. What team allows you to do that? Your path of least resistance. It's so, still it's still Cleveland. I it's still it's still I don't know. It, even 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 with even with even with the emergence of Boston. Okay, because you still got battles you got to fight. Boston, yep. Philly. Boston gets two okay. stars back. In okay, the in, in the Western Conference, you got more experienced teams yeah. with Houston and no, Golden State. So you, so you, so you still got two teams in the West, two teams in the East. But you figure the advantage that, that LeBron has because he dominated the East so much. Yeah, but you remember when the Cowboys and 49ers would make the Super Bowl every year, and there was some poor AFC team that was sitting there waiting to get beat by yeah. thirty. Uh-huh. Like, okay, you made it to the Super Bowl, but it's sort of kind of quirky. Like the Cowboy 49er NFC title game was actually the Super Bowl. That's what's happening right here. You can make it to the finals if you're the Cavs, maybe. You don't want to make it? You get, you, you, I mean, you don't want to make get, it? You're going to get crushed. But you, but, but you don't want to make it. Okay. don't matter if you go get You don't know, you, no, but, but you want to get there. But it's his goal to make the finals or win the finals. Yeah, well, yeah, that's everybody, but right. there's only one team that's going to do it. Uh, I, I want to give myself the best chance to get there. And whatever happens at that point, it just happens. But I want to get there. Get me there. Put me in that situation and let's see what happens. Let's roll the dice and see and see what happens. Doesn't do any good if you're out in the second round. Oh, no, that's fair. Uh, Solomon Wilcott's going to join us in one minute. Let's get Kay Fagan here as well with the latest as there's just over four minutes left to go in this game seven. Kevin, how we doing? All right, Mark, we're doing well. 97 to 88 is the lead for the Cavaliers with about four and a half to go in the fourth quarter. LeBron James, 40 points, seven assists, and seven rebounds. He did briefly leave the game in the third quarter as he cramped up a little bit but has since returned to the bench. You mentioned Kevin Love having a great game with 14 points. Tristan Thompson started the game after playing only 24 minutes the entire series. He has 14 points and 10 rebounds for the Cavaliers as well. Victor Oladipo, 23 points and 9 boards to lead the Pacers. In just a few minutes, the Rockets will host Utah in Game 1 of their second-round series. Jazz will not have guard Ricky Rubio as he recovers from a hamstring injury that he suffered in Game 6 of the OKC series. Houston 4, Luke Balmute will play for the first time since April 10th as he recovers from a shoulder injury. In Major League Baseball, the Red Sox have rallied to tie the game at three as they host Tampa Bay in the eighth inning. Rays looking for their ninth consecutive victory. Nationals get home runs from Michael Taylor and Matt Wieters. They lead the D-backs 3-0 in the sixth. Braves molly in the Phillies 6-1 in the fifth. Astros over the A's 3-1 in the fifth. Pirates currently no hitting the Cardinals right now. They have a 4-0 lead in the seventh inning. And in the NHL, the Capitals have just gone ahead of the Penguins 1-0 early in the first period as the Penguins lead that series one game to none. Gentlemen? Okay, Fig, good stuff. He says no hitter right there in the update. So if it doesn't happen, send your emails to Kevin Figures. Uh, We're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Always easy to talk to Solomon Wilcott, Sirius XM NFL radio analyst. Solomon, great to have you on. It really feels like the Browns made a decision at the top of their board. I'm sure that they will tell everybody, we feel like we evaluated these guys and he's the best quarterback. And maybe that's the case, but it feels like they were looking not just at that, but they were mainly focusing on Who's got the personality and the attitude that can come in here and flip the locker room? Do you buy that that's what they did and that it's a good idea? Yeah, I, I think you're hitting on something uh, of great substance. I, I think there's no doubt in my mind that the people who are in charge, whether it's John Dorsey, whether it's the owner, 
um, like what happened with Johnny Manziel. I think there was this move um, around the personality of, of Baker Mayfield that really locked them into him. Because it just to me, it just defies logic, logic that when you have the first overall pick, the fourth overall pick, you ought to come away with at least maybe the best offensive player in the draft and possibly even the best defensive player in the draft. They didn't get either one of those. Saquon Barkley, uh, they didn't get him. And it's arguable um, if they got the best defensive player in the draft as well. So Baker Mayfield, I think, was highly productive. He's a good quarterback. They're going to have to grow and develop him. But you and I both know they could have gone in a different direction and got maybe an equal-style quarterback. But the pass on Saquon Barkley, in my mind, I, I think it's a big miss. It's Solomon, do you think the Browns get polarized because you have so many options, okay, in choosing in the first and fourth pick? The obvious choice a lot of times was Sam Darnold, okay? But then you tend to overthink the situation. You think about the fourth pick and who you could have gotten there. Do you think within their war room, the polarization of having that many options caused them to kind of go with Baker Mayfield, who, like you said, from a personality perspective, kind of fit what they were looking for. Well, there's no doubt. I think in a way they almost did them. what was safe, right? And it's not that they didn't need a quarterback because they did. They need another corner. You know, Joe Hayden's not there anymore. Um, looks like uh, Jamar Taylor that they are, are ready to move on from him as well. And so they needed a corner. And Denzel Ward's a good player, there's no doubt. Baker Mayfield was one of the most productive uh, quarterbacks in this draft. His touchdown to interception ratio was nearly 4-1, to one, better than any other quarterback. So one could argue if you're going to take quarterback, take Baker Mayfield. But you and I both know this was more about the personality than the substance because when you're six foot one or six feet tall uh, against all the other quarterbacks and the measurables, his measurables just did not add up in terms of what we're used to seeing being successful in the National Football League. But isn't safe Sam Darnold? Isn't that safe? I think safe is Sam Darnold. I think safe is, is Josh Allen. I think safe would it could have even been Josh Rosen. Um, I don't think this quarterback pick was safe. I think this is kind of like having that date, okay? If someone said you could do some speed dating, you could, you know, sample maybe four and date fall four, and then the one you like, the first date, you fall in love with her and you just take her. Right, right. And, and don't fully vet the others. I think they fell in love with Baker Mayfield. I think they knew all along it was going to be Baker Mayfield. We know at least the week leading up to the draft that it was going to be Baker Mayfield, and, and that's what it turned out to be. Solomon Wilcox joining us, Fox Sports Radio. Solomon, I'm interested that in your first answer about the Browns, you brought up Saquon Barkley a lot, as opposed to what a lot of people are saying, yeah, you should have gone with Donald or, or a different quarterback, because I'm fascinated by the running back position at the top of the board. We've seen good success, Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette, certainly good hopes for Saquon Barkley, but we've also seen that teams can get running backs in the second and third and fourth round and plug them and play and get great success right away. So when you're the Giants, you're looking at your uncertain quarterback future and obviously uh, quite a few needs on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, why, why, why is that the time? Even though Barkley's great, why is that the time to go running back? See, I would ask, I would ask you another question. I hate to answer the question. No, go, question. Go, go right ahead. But here's the deal. When Tom Brady is successful, how come that didn't change the value on how we see quarterbacks? He was a six-round pick. 
How come we didn't say, you know what? We can find these quarterbacks anywhere. You know, Colin Kaepernick was a second round pick. You can go get one in the second round. Tom Brady was a six he was a sixth round pick. Um you got look at the quarterbacks who were playing in the final days, okay, um last year in terms of playing in the playoffs. Case Keenum, right? Yep. You know, uh, Nick Foles. Uh, we, if, if that's the case, why are we not saying that about quarterbacks? Well, I mean, that, that's a – you know, They could win a championship, not be a first-round pick, and no one changed the evaluation. I think when you know what you're looking at, you can clearly – this guy is better than Adrian Peterson. He projects that. And huh. Peterson was great. And he runs with the same kind of power. He's bigger at 230. He, his lateral quickness is cat-like. But the guy is like a receiver coming out of the backfield. He's a better receiver coming out of the backfield more so than Adrian Peterson was. This is a bigger version of a Marshall Falk. That's what you got to look at. And those huh. don't come around. Well, and even the Bengals passed on him by taking Big Daddy Dan Wilkinson right. and then the coach sticking with the second overall pick. This seems to be similar. So I think when you know what you're looking at, to me, I think Cleveland Browns should say, I need to come away with this first overall pick with someone who I know is going to be a beast when he gets on the field. He's going to – touchdowns is how games are won, and this guy scores touchdowns. And last I checked, that's what the Cleveland Browns need. If you don't want to miss, then take the guy who you know going to put uh, the ball in the end zone, he's going to put butt in the stands, and national TV cameras are going to show up every Sunday. Yeah, Solomon, certainly. I mean, I don't need to be sold on Saquon Barkley. I get it, although I guess I would answer your question by looking around the league and – pointing out that, I mean, more than half of the teams are starting a quarterback that was taken in the first. Or, or, you know why? You know, I'm going to tell you why. Why? Because they get, a, they get a longer look. They get more second chances. Yeah, that's fair. They get fair. third chances and they get fourth chances. Okay, you're not giving up on that guy. If Tom Brady would have struggled his first few years in the league, you would not have heard of him. If you're that first-round pick, high top of the first round, you get multiple opportunities. Even Drew Brees was taken in the second round. Right. But no one wanted to change the evaluation there. And look and see how long he struggled before he had his breakout season. It was year number three, year number four. So that's all I'm saying is that if you're, if you're a high pick, you get, not early, you get early opportunities, you get multiple opportunities because the scouts have to prove themselves right. A guy like Tony Romo who went undrafted even to this day, all you're going to hear is people talk about what he couldn't do, even though he owns every single record in Cowboy history at the quarterback position. Because the scouts want to say that we were right on him. I disagree with right. He's not what the other guys, Troy Aikman and Roger Starback, were, but he owns all the records. Solomon, it's great stuff, and it's great to have you on the show today. We thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. There he goes. Solomon Wilcott, Sirius XM. NFL analyst joining us, Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, They're coming down the stretch. The Cavs are looking good, but it's not done yet. We'll get you the update on that. Uh, And also, coming up next, Paul George. Should uh, other teams suddenly be scared away? We'll get into it. Coming up. Well, Toronto, (laughs) here comes LeBron James. Um, He's at the free throw line. Missed that one, but they're up by seven with 23 seconds to go. Victor Oladipo with a needed three moments ago. LeBron with the closeout defense, forcing the miss, and then went and got the rebound himself as well. And that pretty much puts this one uh, on ice. 
for the Cavs. Selfishly, I love this Indiana team, the way they play, but I, I love to see superstars. I love, I love to see those type of players advance because it, it, it brings more meat to the game. I mean, and that's not taking anything away, but ideally do you want to see – Outside of Indiana fans, of course, Toronto play Indiana. You, I mean, you what you want to see is the best play. Yeah, all the Depot versus DeRozan. You know, again, yeah, nothing against it. Uh, they're nice teams. They're great. They're, they're nice, nice players. Um, but that is not a second round series the NBA wants. To and see. it's ironic too because people, I want to see LeBron James win, but I don't want to see Indiana and Toronto play. I mean, what you, right. <laughs> what do you? Right, I mean, right, what right. do you? That's what you go get. Right. So, it, uh, I always go back to this appreciate greatness when it's in front of you because it doesn't come around a lot when you have it. So as much of that greatness that you can continue to get, I don't care what sport it is, let's soak it up and enjoy it because when it's gone, it's not coming back, okay? And no matter what happens next year, there's always going to be this transition where a player like LeBron, his level of play is going to come down. It's just father time is going to win. At what point you start to really see the drop-off, we don't know, but it's going to happen. So why not embrace what's going on right now, even if you don't, not a big Cavs fan, but embrace the greatness part of what's going on and what we're witnessing and, and enjoy it uh, outside of being an Indiana, <laughs> Indiana right. fan. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Um, Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, great news. Quick way you could save some money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Five-point game, 17 seconds left to go. Cleveland ball. Uh, keep you up to date on that. Um, here's what I looked at when Oklahoma City lost to Utah the other night. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to go, wow, Paul George, two for 16. See, I don't even worry about the two. There are only two numbers I worry about in that series and in that game. Because, by the way, Paul George was really good in the other five games. Right, in the right. Series. He was really good. Here are the numbers that matter. 16 is one of them. The two doesn't matter. You want to know what the other number is that matters? 43. That's the number that matters. 43 shots, Russ. Really? I mean, it's so perfect. It's a ball on a tee for anybody who watches NBA basketball. The most leveraged moment possibly of his career, 43 shot attempts. I mean, it's a wrap. Did you see the quotes from Carmelo? I'm not going to the bench, and by the way, I don't even like this style of play, and this stinks, and that stinks, and we already knew Paul was leaving. But what's amazing to me about Russ is everyone's locked into the conversation about is he great or is he not? Well, of course he is. But what he doesn't do, I always go to the movie Moneyball, Adapt or Die. What Russ doesn't do is turn on a Warrior game and watch people pass. Watch the ball move. It's what works. Why hasn't it occurred to him yet that no matter how great he is, the plan doesn't work? Well, let me go back to this, and I said this before. Who's been on the bench? Who's been the lead guy in the seat that has really commanded and demanded of Russ that he has to play a certain way? Not take away what he does, but have him play smarter and not harder. Two different people. Scotty Brooks, who – I play with in Dallas, love him to death. But he never held Russ accountable for his actions, his mistakes. So he allowed that to perpetuate, and now he's fallen into this category of I'm playing the way I want. 
Billy Donovan comes in, same thing. He has to walk like on on eggshells a little bit. He has to please. And they had to please Russell Westbrook and let him do what he wanted to do in order to maintain him, to keep him there in Oklahoma City because they couldn't lose him. Okay? So you're treading that thin margin right there of a guy that has so much ability but never has been coached up, to, so to speak, to be able to play the right way. I think all, all players want to be coachable. They want to be taught. They want to be held accountable. But when you don't have that strong voice on the sideline, a Phil Jackson who did it with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, okay? A Larry Brown that did it with Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. okay? Though, that's a, a not that they in this category, but a Popovich who did it with a Tim Duncan and those guys who made them accountable and held them to a higher standard so they played the right way. I still believe Russ can do that, but he's played this way for so long. And they have allowed him to do it. Yep. That's his mindset. Well, nobody else is making shots. I, I got to take over. He did it in high school. You really didn't see it a lot in college because Ben Holland, the way he played. Didn't, yeah. Didn't but ever since he's been in OKC, yep. that's how he played. Yeah, I, I, I just it's 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 really hard to look at, at that game and and think that that approach is going to make sense. I understand Paul George not making shots, Russ really wasn't either when you consider that he put up 43 of them uh, in order to get to his 46 points. <clears throat> now, Paul George only ends up with five. But his body, but Paul George's body language in that <clears throat> game wasn't good. Okay. When I, when I watched him defensively and on the offensive end, we turned down some shots. He was more reluctant to give the ball up. See, when you're when – Because you're, he wanted to be a Laker. Well, here's the thing. But when you're a great player and you're a superstar, <laughs> no matter what you've been doing shooting-wise, you can't allow that to affect your defensive end, which he's great at, because you can create some opportunities that give your chance, your team a chance to win. Okay, but I didn't like his body language. But you're not off the wagon, are you? I mean, I, I see this, and I understand that social media, the world there is reacts solely to what they just saw. Right, the moment. And then they forget everything else. So somehow now uh, there's you know a, a big movement among Laker fans. Like, we want this guy? Yeah. Yeah, but here's you the th- want this guy. But here's the thing, Mark. <laughs> Just to let you know. From a valuation perspective, the owners, GMs, they knew who Paul George was. Right. They, they know it. He's, to me, he's a great second guy. Yes. Not a first, not a number one. Not a number one. A, num- a number one guy, you're able to take him when he's in Indiana to get through a tough series. I'm going to put you on my back and I'm going to go. It's not a lot of them in the league. So the valuation of Paul George, I think, from a GM perspective, is still the same. That hasn't changed. He just has to be in a situation where there's other complimentary players around him that allow him to be successful. Antonio Daniels is going to join us in about a half hour. Coming up next, the Warriors make an announcement on Curry. Should he keep sitting or play? We'll get into that next. So the Cavs are moving on, and isn't it interesting? I mean, nobody had any confidence uh, that they could beat Indiana on any given night, no matter the arena. But now as we already process this four-point victory, uh, 105-101, and look ahead. I think that they'll beat the Raptors even without home court. That seems mental and emotional to me. These two teams have played in the uh, playoffs before, and there's something about Toronto uh, where they, they have found themselves in this lane where they are the team that can get fat with wins consistently over lesser opponents but when you put them up against somebody really good, it just don't have what it takes. Well, it goes back to the two superstars. I mean, because those are the guys that you have to lean on in order 
to win those tough series. And and they haven't been able to pull that out. Uh, Kyle Lowry has struggled, of course, uh, in situations like this. No matter what the regular season brings about, you have to rely on your stars to be able to pull it out. Your complimentary players are great, and they're going to actually help you get over the top. But your stars got to get you there. Like today, LeBron James, the 45 points, I think it was, got his team in position. His other guys, Kevin Love, coming in playing well. But Tristan Thompson kind of got them over the top. But LeBron did what he was supposed to do to get his team in position to close it out. That's what's been missing with this Toronto team, that either Lowry or DeRozan hasn't been able to put their team in that position that somebody else can make a big play offensively, defensively to kind of put it over the top. Leveraged game, uh, elimination game in a series. Uh, Russ had 46. LeBron had 45. Pretty similar. Uh, LeBron, uh, 25 shots. <laughs> Russ, 43 shots. I'll leave that You think that it's a there. trust factor there? I'll leave you think that it's a trust there factor let there? everybody just kind of decide lack what, of they, what they want to do with that. <laughs> Antonio Daniels is going to join us in 15 minutes. We're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com for a free rate quote. So I watched the Warriors Pelicans last night, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and I came out afterward, and I, you know, just immediately typed up an email to you. I'm like, you know what? They got game one so easy. They should sit Steph again in game two. And then uh, right before I hit send, I go to Twitter, and one of the Warrior beat guys was like, yeah, I talked to Kerr, and Kerr said, unless there's some sort of weird setback, Curry's playing game two. Are you surprised by that decision? I'm not, I'm not surprised. We were talking about this you know, during the break before, is that once the doctors clear Steph that he's full goal, I'm not surprised that Steve Kerr and the coaching staff said, yeah, he can go. It's a difference if they were talking about managing minutes and that we need to ease Steph back in. But if those doctors who have worked on Steph over the years say that he's ready to go, Steve Kerr is not going to hold back. Steph is not going to hold back. Again, you got to be sensitive and aware that he's had injuries in the past, how it would affect him. But in this scenario, the go-ahead from the doctors gives, I think, a lot of confidence to the coaching staff to go ahead and do it. Well, you got to put him out there at some point, and it's going to be nerve-wracking and risky no matter when you do it. So I guess if he's cleared uh, from that standpoint, it makes a whole lot of sense. But you do start to get, um, I think as a fan, you get a little strategic. Like, okay, if you get game one and it looked easy, just go do that again, and you can keep pushing. You could buy him maybe even another week if you let him wait till the end of this series but, I mean, how quickly you have to also think possibly what happens if they do win game two. Now, I mean, this could quickly suddenly fall into a sweep, and then you've got to go into the Western Conference Finals and Steph hasn't gotten his rhythm back. Well, it, it's, two, it's two trains of thought here. With Steph playing, can you sweep the Pelicans and then give Steph some more rest on the back end? Okay? Okay. Um, second, you want to be able to have a guy like Steph be able to get his rhythm because you, you you don't practice at this time of the year, okay? A lot of stuff is just walkthrough right now. Okay. So he's not going to get any kind of rhythm other than trying to shoot the basketball in his uh, time at practice. And he's been doing that for two he's weeks. He's been doing that. So yeah. you're not going to get the, the, the real contact up and down the court at game speed other than game speed. So you got to think about the mindset behind of getting his rhythm, not only for himself, but again, this is still the league. You miss some games, you're out. You, now you have to reincorporate yourself back in because the team has played differently with Steph out. It's going to be an easier adjustment, mm-hmm. but it still is an adjustment period. 
of what happens. Eagle Dollar goes back to the bench. Yep. Steph's back in. I think it opens up some more opportunities, but it's still that period of time it takes to integrate a guy like Steph to get his timing back along with the timing of the other four guys that are on the court with him. All right, and then the other question I had coming out of that game was, and, and, and look, I'm a believer in what New Orleans is doing. You sat here last week and said something I remembered. Um, playoff Rondo. The reason Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, who've been there for a while, all of the sudden, having never won a playoff game, suddenly were able to win four in a row as a road team, uh, an underdog, and sweep Portland out of the playoffs. Like, look, when you have nothing but guys who've never done it before, you need a stabilizing force next to you. They now have that with Rondo, who's playing well, played well again last night. But I can hear the way that this is going to go. Oh, New Orleans, is this is for real. This is for real. It's for real. Boom. They get beat by 30, and everyone goes, oh, never mind. It was just they were playing Portland. The truth has got to lie somewhere in between, right? It does because you, you, you see the emergence of what this Pelican team could be by playing together now with this particular lineup and the pace in which you're playing. So you know there's a future there. You know there's opportunity for this team to continue to grow. Again, they're learning on the fly in regards to how to compete at this level in the playoffs. So there's a learning curve also to understand how to win. Rondo's been there before to be able to do that. But he can only impart so much of that experience on guys who haven't done it before. So that's why I think it's the key. But he makes – if you're Anthony Davis, think about this. He makes it so much easier on me to get easier baskets. Yes. Okay, and that's what you want as – think about this. As as a player – I, when Allen Iverson his second year, I said, dog, you, you work too hard to get your points. I mean, for 82 games, you, you were out here busting your butt. You, you got to figure out, and we got to figure out ways to get you easier shots. Drew Holiday, playing off the ball. Now he's able to ease into some opportunities where before he had to work so hard, not only negotiate for himself, but for his team. Rondo allows those, comp, those other guys to be able to do that, to operate now with – more efficiency because he's setting them up, getting them high-quality shots. How that translates in winning the next round against Golden State, it's a little bit tougher. But what you see is a team now that has a foundation. Okay, let's add a few more pieces. What do we do with Boogie? Do we offer him a two- to three-year mm. deal? We can't max him out from that perspective because we see how we play. So I think that impacts what they do after this series no on doubt. that decision. I also wonder, did Anthony Davis make, I won't call him a rookie, he's far from it, but did he make a playoff rookie mistake? Um, I tend to think bulletin board material, 99% of the time, is for media and fans to yap, yap, yap about. And the players, I mean, what? Like, they weren't going to come out and play hard, and now they are? But there are certain statements that I find really interesting, and you never know if they actually do bother the other team until a series is over. You might watch for a warrior, probably Draymond. <laughs> watch for a warrior when this series is over to make mention of the fact that before the series started, Anthony Davis said, we think we can beat this team. We beat them a couple of weeks ago when the Warriors weren't even paying yeah, attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we were really close the other three times when the Warriors probably were only paying half attention one thing, I've watched the Warriors so closely, we all know how good they are, but I like to look for other little quirks and dynamics. And one thing everyone around the team has always said, uh, there's a reason why in four years they've almost never lost back-to-back games. They hate 
losing. Mm -hmm. They hate it. And so they do take things personally, and it is a team that's sitting there looking for reasons to no longer be bored. Why would why would you say it? Why well, would you say well, it? Well, well, here's the thing. Why wouldn't you? You, you want to have confidence and say, yeah, you know, if we if we do everything right, we play defense. We think we can beat this. Yeah, team. but there's a way to say. It. Okay, and how did he say it? We think we can beat. We like, almost the he, tone he was we like as if we think we're expecting to win. We think we're going to win. Right, but he it's different if he said, you know what, we're the underdog. So what? We're going to go in there and take, you know, the four games we're going to win. Compared to, you know, I think we can beat them. We've beaten them in the past. I think we can. Be, of course, you you got to say it. And again, it's Golden State understands where they're at. And I think it's a great point you said about being bored. The whole year, it's so tough to go through the last three to four years of what Golden State has been through. Same thing with, with Cleveland and yep. LeBron James. Yep. The regular season, dealing with the grind when every team is up for you and your ultimate goal is getting back to the playoffs relatively healthy and competing for a championship. Now they're in that situation. They got through a tough San Antonio series, even though it was 4-1. Yep. But that was a tough series for because the, they didn't play extremely well, but they played well enough to win. Right. Now you move on. You get a breath of fresh air. You'll be retooled. Steph is back. Now that gives you another boost of energy. Plus, everybody wants to see how they play against this New Pelicans team. New So that Orleans. gives them yeah. a little bit more. And I think that's why in that game you saw the energy and the body language of Golden State from the very beginning. Well, it was different. But that's why game two is going to be a hard game for the Warriors because, A, uh, I think the emotional boost will just come from Steph's return. But you got to figure the rhythm out once again. And so that creates a challenge. And, two, you can set your watch to when the Warriors are going to pay attention. You can set your watch to it. They had a terrible final two, three weeks of the regular season. Some people fell into the trap. Yep. And then the playoffs started, and we're like, oh, so, sorry, never mind. Uh, yeah, they're going to crush the Spurs. But then they go up 3-0, and what happens? <sighs> Fall back asleep. and Because they, they knew they weren't going to be challenged, so they could sleepwalk to finishing that series off. It actually helped them to extend it a little bit and buy Steph some more time. Mm -hmm. So now, does that happen again? You show up last night going, everyone thinks this New Orleans team is real. I don't think so. We better be ready. They are. They absolutely sun them. And so now there's the challenge again of stay awake. Stay awake because, yeah, you are the better team, but you still got to go play. I, I don't think they will. I think they're, they're on a mission right now to be better than they were in the San Antonio series and prove once again that no matter what Houston does, no matter what Cleveland – they're still the best team. And the adjustments, again, it's going to be a slight little adjustment from Steve Kerr's perspective to keep that fire burning, whether it's how we play defense, to switch some things up, to show a different look, maybe on Anthony Davis, even though it was effective. But those little subtle moves keeps a team intrigued but also keeps a team focused on what their ultimate goal is by changing just a little bit of – of the game plan, even though you won, what Steve Kerr is going to do is nitpick on little things within that game film that they still need to improve on and go out and work on it in game two. And that's how you keep that fire stoked. Mark Willer, Jim Jackson, Fox Sports Radio, and Antonio Daniels, who covers the Pelicans and the Thunder for Fox Sports, is going to join us next on Fox Sports Radio.
Okay, live Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. That's Jim Jackson. I'm Mark Willard. Glad you're with us. We're now watching Houston and Utah. The Rockets right now up by 16 points and just a couple of minutes into the second quarter. You know how you know when a team is officially like a real playoff team with championship aspirations? When you are, uh, let's see, 20 minutes into a playoff game in round two, and a third of the building is empty. I mean, Houston's just like, yeah, the Astros won the World Series, and we'll wait for the Warriors to get here in two weeks before we really get excited about this one. It's interesting, uh, and they're off to a good start in that one. Let's get Antonio Daniels in here and talk a little shop. Covers the Pelicans and the Thunder for Fox Sports NBA analyst. Antonio, great to have you. So let's start with OKC. Um, the statements that Carmelo Anthony made after this game, and then just the body language that Jim pointed out of of, of Paul George, would suggest we're going to see a very different team when they come back in in October. And uh, and I wonder about the future of Russell Westbrook as far as a narrative. What do you think? Well, I mean, the thing is with free agency, you have no idea. You know, Paul George is saying a lot of the right things, but we've all heard that before. Kevin Durant said he wanted to finish his career in Oklahoma City. LeBron James said he wanted to finish his career in Cleveland. So we know how free agency works. When <laughs> yeah. you're there, you say all the right things. And then July 1st comes around and, you know, you have different people in your ear. So who knows what Paul George is going to do? My issue with Carmelo Anthony is I, I, I get where he's coming from. His resume speaks for itself without saying. But you also have to understand you're not who you once were. You're not that same Carmelo Anthony that can put up 25 to 30 points a night. So it's going to come a point, if it's not in Oklahoma City, we're somewhere where you're going to have to be a second, third, and possibly a fourth option. Antonio, what's up, bro? It's good to talk to you, man. Um, the, the challenge, too, is with the Carmelo who's not going to opt out of his deal, of course, um, is who do you see when you look in the mirror? And the toughest right. thing for a player that has achieved as much as he has is to understand that, and like you said, no matter where he goes, he's not that same guy. How does that affect, too, the mindset of the management of OKC moving forward or how they want to build out this team? Well, you know, the thing is, Carmelo has a $28 million opt-out or opt-in. Right. So I don't know what your options are because it's his option. Right. It would be different if it was the team's option and they had a choice on which direction they wanted to move, but this is all on Carmelo Anthony. And if I'm Carmelo Anthony, $28 million for one year, at this point in my career, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and opt in. <laughs> but now, if you're Billy Donovan and you're Sam Presti moving forward, now you, you're holding the, the, the deck of cards. So you basically have to tell Carmelo where he's going to fit. And it's on him whether or not he wants to do what's best for this team or not. What, you cannot allow a player to make decisions for your organization, especially when it's an individual mindset. So what he's thinking now is about what's best for Carmelo, not about what's best for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Well, it, Antonio, you, you, you've covered this team. My issue is that accountability in the front office really stepping in and holding accountable the players that need to be, in particular, Russ. But do they have the – 
the word I want to use is yeah you know you know what I want to say but cojones but the cojones cojones do they have that makeup now because they're at a critical stage they can go backwards now instead of forward do they have the cojones really to tell a Carmelo Anthony you opt in this is going to be your role yes yes I would think so especially when the opt in is twenty eight million dollars I think they do. <laughs> Right. I really do. This is not a $10 million opt-in, a $5 million. This is a $28 million opt-in. So if you tell him, listen, if you want to opt-in to $28 million, that's cool. But understand the, the what's come along with opting in. Mm-hmm. You aren't going to just opt-in and be who you want to be. If you're going to opt-in, this is who you're going to be. This is where we're going to put you. So you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice here. You don't have a choice in the matter. You can opt-in to the $28 million, be a part of this Oklahoma City Thunder, community and franchise moving forward, or the other piece is you don't opt in and then go elsewhere and see if you can be someone else's first option. Antonio Daniels joining us, Fox Sports Radio. Antonio, he's the most polarizing player in the league. We've all heard all the thoughts with regard to Russell Westbrook. I'm going to give you this. You tell me if it's fair. Uh, Whether you love his style of play or not, he's a phenomenal player, but Russell has failed to make adjustments necessary for his teams to go farther and teammates to be happier. Fair? Okay. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Because I I get where you're coming from. To to me, there are so many similarities between LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. But there are different narratives that are painted about both of them. So we say Russell Westbrook is hard to play with, right? We say he's difficult to play with. We say he he doesn't make his teammates better. But with LeBron James, we say he doesn't have enough help. <laughs> so if you look at some of the guys with LeBron James, Jordan Clarkson was averaging 15 points elsewhere. And he comes here, and he's averaging six points a game in, in Cleveland. But no one says anything about that. Okay, but, but then, uh, so like, I think that, I mean, that's what comes with success, though. LeBron agreed. has rings. Agreed. But, but we paint different narratives about each of them. When Dwayne Wade left, he left, he left Miami and scoring in the playoffs. Derrick Rose played exceptionally well in Minnesota in the playoffs when they left LeBron James. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's a narrative out there about LeBron James that's painted, that he doesn't have enough help, but that Russell Westbrook doesn't make his teammates better. So we say, Kevin Love, you have to be better. J.R. Smith, you have to be better. Tristan Love, you have to be better. And on the Oklahoma City side, we say, you know what, Russell Westbrook, you have to make Paul George better, or you have to make Paul uh, Carmelo Anthony and Steven Adams better. Both of those guys, because of how how polarizing they are, polarizing they are, are very difficult to play with. That comes along with with being a star in this league, especially a a star of that magnitude. So yeah, I, I get it from both sides. Antonio, but I think the difference too with Russell, it comes down a lot of times to decision making. With LeBron, right. he makes decisions that sometimes you stretch it. Well, he should have shot it, but the guy was wide open. Okay, so it's mm-hmm. to us as basketball players, it's the obvious pass. I think it goes back to at times during the course of a game with Russell and his decision right. making that how that affects the outcome because he's so dynamic in what he could do. He has the help, but then he can go through, and you know, there's a spell where he turns the ball over, takes a bad shot, and it impacts his team. So, what about that aspect of evaluating between the two the decision making process? Oh, no, no, I, I agree with that. I do agree with that. You know, and that, you know, every player 
that you're running to in this league. As you know, Jimmy, there's no perfect player. Right. There's no player that you can say he can shoot, he can handle, he can dribble, has a high basketball IQ, he never turns the basketball. Every player has their flaws. Every player has their shortcomings. And that's Russell Westbrook's shortcoming. He's dynamic in a ton of areas. The most athletic point guard to ever take the floor. Mm. But there are certain areas in his decision-making that you will question throughout the course of the game. But one of the things that you know that you're going to get with superstars in this league is their ability to believe in their own skill set. That they can do it no matter what. And that's one of the things that you've always respected about LeBron James, is he knows that he can do it, but he also has the IQ and trust in his teammates to try and find those guys, which has always been held against him. Kobe Bryant had a killer instinct. Michael Jordan had a killer instinct. Oh, LeBron does not have a killer instinct. And to me, a killer instinct means you're making the right play when it matters the most, even if it doesn't involve you scoring the basketball. Antonio Daniels with us. Antonio, 30 seconds on the Pelicans' chances to make noise here in this series. It's going to be tough, man. This is not Portland. This is not Portland. I said this last night at the postgame show. This is not the Portland Trailblazers. But I'm also not the type to overreact off of one game. Yep. You know, because there, in recent history, there has been no series that's been won after one game. So regardless of how you look at it, the Golden State Warriors still have to go back to New Orleans you know, and beat New Orleans in at home. So it's not, obviously, it's not the Portland Trailblazers, but it's a different and a much tougher matchup for, for the New Orleans Pelicans. It's going to be tough. And That's why the Golden State Warriors are the Golden State Warriors. Antonio, great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, for sure, fellas. All right, there you Bowling go. Dreams finest, baby. Yeah, Antonio <laughs> Daniels. Did y'all catch that he called him Tristan Love? Yeah. That's like that's perfect, isn't it? That should be his name now. Tristan Love. Tristan Love, right? He got some love today from the fans, I tell you that. <laughs> he got some love today with that performance. <laughs> Cavs are moving on. And uh I got a question for you. You I didn't do it. Once upon a time <laughs> it wasn't me, bro. Once upon a time you were the number four pick in the NBA draft, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I noticed something in the NFL draft with a couple of guys that went off the board early that I don't think most fans think about. But Uh some people have been tipping their hand, and I want to ask you about your experience when you were in their shoes. Fox Sports Radio. Um, So we'll do that next. Let's also get Kevin Figures in here for an update. Cavs are moving on. Rockets are looking good. Kevin, what's the latest? Oh, Rockets are looking real good right now. Mark, they're halfway through the second quarter, just about halfway through right now. Rockets with a 49-29 lead over the Jazz in game one of their second round series. James Harden with 15 points already for Houston in the early going. Rockets shooting 58% from the field. Chris Paul, by the way, with 14 points as well. Harden averaged over 34 per game and shot over 55% versus the Jazz in their four regular season meetings. Houston did win all of those games. Earlier in Cleveland, as you mentioned, Mark LeBron James, 45 points for the Cavs. They held off a second half Pacers surge for a 105 to 101 win. They will advance to the semifinals against Toronto. Tristan Thompson played 32 minutes and had 15 points and 10 rebounds after only playing 24 minutes the entire series to this point in time. Victor Oladipo led the Pacers in scoring in the loss with 30 points. On the diamond, Astros over the A's 5-3 in the 8th. Cubs with a 2-0 lead over the Brewers in the 7th. Nationals beat the Diamondbacks 3-1. Red Sox rallied from 3-0 down to come back and beat the Rays 4-3. And in the NHL, Capitals have added to their lead now. It's now 3-0 Capitals over Pittsburgh in the second period as the Penguins lead that second round series one game to none. Gentlemen. K-Fig. 
Um, it's Tristan Love, by the way, not Tristan. Oh, Tom. Tristan Love. Yeah, Sorry Tristan, about that. Tristan got Love. You. Got you. With a double double today. A lot of love going around for him the last oh, few yeah. months. Oh yeah. yes. All right. Live Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save fifteen percent or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call eight hundred nine four seven Auto. The only hard part figuring out which way is easier. Baker Mayfield's from Austin, Texas. Okay, keep that in mind for a sec. He's from Austin, Texas. Started his college career at a Texas university and finished it at Oklahoma. And he won the internet the night before the draft by reconstructing a famous picture uh, in the history of Brett Favre the night before the draft when he was lying on a bed in a pair of jorts with a bunch of friends and family around him. Yeah, jean shorts. Those are jorts, man. (laughs) He had some jorts on. They were rolled up. I remember how it used to be. So um, they reenacted the entire scene. But once the draft happened, I saw somebody point something out about that picture that I hadn't noticed before. And so then I went back to see, was that in the Brett Favre picture or only the Baker Mayfield picture? Only the Baker Mayfield picture. Do you know what it was? It's a tiny little strip on the wall above the door. And it says, I love my calves. Baker knew. He already knew. He knew when he sat down to put that picture together that he was the number one overall pick in the draft and he was going to play for the Cleveland Browns. And then I started thinking, wait a minute. Saquon Barkley showed up at a barber shop three weeks ago in a New York Giants hoodie. Why did he have the gall to do that? Well, he can explain it away. He's from the Bronx. But who would do that knowing that possibly some other team is about to actually be your team that's going to come back to haunt you. These guys knew. They know. They knew. And I want to know if that's commonplace. What did you know before the draft? I knew I wasn't going number one. Okay. <laughs> and I knew I wasn't going number two. Who was number one? Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. so <laughs> okay, and, and number two was right. Alonzo Mourning. Okay. Okay. So I, I knew that because of the team. By the way, I knew that too. I okay. remember that. I knew too, just so you know. Yeah. And I'm not your agent, but I knew. Yeah, I, knew I knew Shaq was going number one. The big tip-off was when the Magic won that pick, and they held his jersey up right there in the yeah. room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, and, but, you know, it was, but here's the thing. It was still up for grabs with the Minnesota – at number three. They were three. On what they wanted to do. Did they want to go with a guard or, at that time, Christian Leitner? Okay. So, I knew I wasn't going anywhere lower than four. You knew But you I weren't... could go as high as three. How did you know? Like, was it just obvious because you were one of the top four players? Or were there conversations where you knew? Well, it was because of the need. At that time, Rolando okay. Blackman was out of Dallas, and they were looking for a guard to fill that position. In the previous two drafts, they had gotten Doug Smith and Randy White for position. So they were looking for a guard, and I was the top guard in the draft that year. So it just you just kind of knew that's where it was going to be. Minnesota was still in that situation, too, where they were evaluating whether to get a backcourt player or frontcourt player. And I fell into that category. They ended up getting J.R. Ryder, mm-hmm. okay, also. But here's the thing. I think J.R. came in the year after. Um, but – I knew it was going to be no lower than four. It's not like somebody picked up the phone like these guys probably. Yeah, did Dallas tell your no, agent? No. They didn't look, tell. We're looking at Jim if no. he's there. Well, yeah, yeah, him. yeah. They told him, you know, just like Minnesota, like Jim is on our board. Yeah. You know, we got to evaluate this. So I kind of knew, but I didn't know until 
actual draft night once Minnesota made that pick. Then it was you obvious. You didn't post any pictures anywhere that it, with, what with, post? Uh, with Dallas Cowboys. That was 92. Yeah, I know. Come on. <laughs> post what? There's, uh, like on your you door. Could, like, you couldn't post it on a, the pager. Take a, po- a Polaroid <laughs> you and post it on your refrigerator. You couldn't post it on the pager <laughs> <laughs> back then. You, that was our communication. The bro, hit me oh, up on the hip. Gosh. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, But but it's, it's so different now, especially with football. You know, you kind of know, and it's obvious too. If you're the number one pick, you're the best player in why basketball. Wouldn't, why you, wouldn't you, they tell you? Now, now, keep in mind though, when Cleveland had the number one pick and they went and got Anthony Bennett, uh-huh. that shocked everybody. everybody. And that is so rare. Not so rare in football. But bas- that that was like, but didn't that kind of play into like what the Browns do and and Cav a, a Cleveland thing where they went I the mean, total opposite. Of the obvious, the the only times they've seen the city has seemingly gotten it right is when a four year old could have walked up and been like, "Well, take LeBron James." James. <laughs> you know, and they got it right the with Kyrie. Time. They got, got it right with Kyrie. Kyrie. I that was pretty easy too. I know he didn't play a lot of games in college, yep. but everybody knew about Kyrie coming right. in. I just I I I wonder because I the, the re I was slow on the uptake with Baker. When ba- when that news broke the morning of the draft, the morning of the draft, so Thursday morning it became it was buzzing everywhere. Right. Oh my gosh, the the Browns are going to take Baker Mayfield, and the first thought that went through my mind was, well, now why do we know that? There's all, like I, I okay if you walk down the street and you see somebody talking to themselves, you're like, well, that person's crazy. That person's got a problem. There's a reason we don't talk to ourselves. It's because nobody else can hear it. The reason we speak is for other people <laughs> to hear it. So if everybody suddenly knows that Baker Mayfield is going to be the top pick, my thought was somebody wants somebody to know that. And I immediately concocted this whole plan in my head that they were speaking to uh, to the Jets and uh, making the Jets think that the Giants were going to get Sam, but realize that we, Cleveland, don't want Sam, so you could get Sam. If you come up here and get the number one pick, we'll fall to three and get Baker and get a bunch of picks. And it wasn't that. And Baker has a picture on the wall that basically tipped off 2448, probably hours before it happened. I'm the number one pick in the draft. Why? So in the end, it speaks to, well, Cleveland just leaked it out. Like, it just wasn't airtight. Because there was no reason for that. Well, to if, get you, out. if you if you get information like that, somebody always within the organization puts that information out because they want people to hear it. Why? Just like, it's like you go do a trade. But why? Yeah, why don't... would Cleveland want people to know that they're going to take a guy that nobody else thought they would take and nobody else wanted right behind them? Why does Cleveland do things that they do? That's what I'm asking. Okay, so <laughs> I don't, if I had that brother, the yeah, mega I... millions would have been hit a couple times by me already. Okay, <laughs> those numbers out of I wouldn't be here right now. Well, oh. I, I, I would do it. I said, y'all can just don't pay me anything. Yeah, I hit the mega is, millions. This is so I'm good. fun, right? Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just exhilarating. Yeah, I just so can't fun. wait. So, But you don't know why they do stuff like that. I mean, each organization is a lot different. I mean, yeah. New England does some things, um, you know, covertly. Oh, they're the FBI. But, but it's still things that get out sometimes. Well, sometimes. Right. But 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 not in a way that other teams do it. Each organization does things a lot differently. It's But even New England so, yeah, stuff got out this year. Uh-huh. Tom, Kraft, yeah. Bill, Gronk. But, again, somebody was motivated to have it get out. Uh, that's my Tom, point. Tom yeah. and Rob and a lot of the Patriots players, Amandola on his way out the door, Malcolm Butler, these guys started to buck. They started to buck for the first time in Tom Brady's career. 
for the first time with Bill Belichick as the head coach in New England, guys are bucking. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why this is getting out, because they're upset, and they finally thought that they had had enough. Now, it could have been, too, their internal people within their agent's circle that talk to, they have a relationship with a beat writer, reporter, or somebody, right. you know, that kind of let that little tidbit start to flame its own fire. Because once that gets out, just that little bit, now everybody goes start asking questions. And Ge- that's when you really get it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios with Jim Jackson, Mark Willard. And while we're sitting here talking about the top of the draft, there's one thing that didn't happen that shocked me. We'll talk about that coming up next. Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer makes it easier to protect what you love. Just go online, compare quotes, and choose what's right for you. Progressive.com is your home for all things home insurance. All right, Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, Dan Orlovsky next hour. We got some more uh, draft tidbits to get to, and we will. And coming up at the top of the hour, notice of all the big events that are coming up in sports for the next, call it five months, between now and the start of the NFL season. One thing is totally missing from all of them. We'll explain. We'll get into it. Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Um, but let me, let me run this one by you. So you asked me right before the show, you're like, so what did you think of the draft? I'm like, you know, I watched more of it than I think I ever normally do. Uh, the quarterback intrigue was great. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, it was highly rating, uh, highly rated. It was, it was fun. It was fun. But there was one thing that didn't happen in the first hour of the broadcast. I was like, now why didn't that happen? Remember last year when the 49ers were sitting at two and the Bears were sitting at three? And the 49ers made them blink. Mm-hmm. They came up and they got Mitch Trubisky and they gave up a haul for the 49ers to fall back one pick and still get the guy they wanted. So once Cleveland takes Baker Mayfield, you're the New York Giants. You're clearly not in like, you're in love with Saquon Barkley. And I get it. Why wouldn't you, knowing that the Browns passed on Darnold, I am going to be completely confident in that scenario that the Jets are dying to have Sam Darnold. Why don't the Giants call the Jets and tell them the incredibly believable lie that there are four teams on the phone trying to get our pick and take Sam Darnold and make the Jets move up one spot to get him, get a haul of picks, and still get your guy, Saquon Barkley. Why didn't they do that? Mm, Two for one. Right. Or three for one. Three for one. Or four for one. Who knows? Yeah, and we were talking about that. It makes a lot of sense because when you have control of that pick like that and you understand what the scenarios are now, you know who's going to pick who. We're not picking Barkley. We know what we need. Why not be able to utilize that pick as an asset to get other things we need, whether it's offensive line, defense, whatever it may be, to build out and utilize that leverage right then and there. But that, that goes back to management, what that war room was all about. Yeah, I, listen, I'm not criticizing because there's things I don't know. Uh, were the Giants 100% sure that the Jets wouldn't take Saquon Barkley? Um, maybe the Giants called the Jets, and the Jets were like, no, we know what you're trying to do. We know you love Barkley. Just take Barkley. Well, I, I dare you. Take Darnold. 
and we'll take Barkley. Maybe that was the conversation that took place, and so there was no deal. But I saw that. like The second Mayfield came off the board, I'm like, well, the Giants are going to trade this. They've got all the cards. Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold is suddenly available, and there are six teams dying for him, and and they just walked right up and said, we'll have Barkley. Wait, I was surprised. Wait, you, you said this too. Were they so excited that they kind of got the guy they wanted that – they didn't evaluate really what options they had still being able to get him at three. I don't know. know. I mean, by then it was such a poorly kept secret that the Browns were going to get Mayfield. I would think you would start running that scenario. But but, but here's the thing, though. You know this, Mark. They've had on that board all kind of scenarios. What if? What if the Browns do this? What if they do this? Where does that leave us? Who's our top two, three, four guys that we can get? What are our needs? They have all these scenarios on the board, but it almost seemed like they got locked into – not looking at the trade scenarios in order to still get this guy at three. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like they got paralyzed by the moment and said, nope, 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 we're locked in. We Number two right here. Nope, let's go. Keep it moving. Yeah. And you know what? I, I mean, there's something to be said for that. Like, you know, let's not monkey around here. We, 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 we got our guy. We love our guy. Let's not mess around. Let's go get him. And so they do. And then I also thought about this. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go through a week of everybody telling you their draft grades. Here's who won. Here's who lost. Uh, here's who did the right things. Here's who made the wrong. And you're like, none of you know anything. We got to go watch and see what these guys can do. Um, but I did come away with, I'm like, well, there is one winner that I know of. And it wasn't a team. It was a city. And it's the city of New York. Take a look what happens now in the city of New York. I would contend that with Saquon Barkley and Sam Donald both arriving to town, they are already, upon arrival, in the top seven in terms of sports personalities in market one, United States of America. Um, Stanton and Judge, Chris Stapps. Mm-hmm. Um, who am I forgetting here? Um, uh, there's nobody on the Mets. No, nobody on the Nets. Uh, nobody on the Nets. What about hockey? Uh, no, nobody, nobody with, uh, with hockey. Um, so they're right there. They're right there at at five and six. Yeah. So now, 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 again, you, you know how the honeymoon period is too in New York. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the other Odell. giants. Oh, yeah. Odell, 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 Eli Manning. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, Donald was already the face of the Jets. Donald was already the face of the Jets. Oh, big time. And. Barkley is that guy from a New York perspective from running. When you talk about the, the Giants and what they're able to do on the ground, the guy that can give Eli what he was looking for, which was a running game to relieve a lot of the pressure. You know, a lot of it depending on the offensive line and his protection. You know, would they be able to open up the gaps and holes for Barkley to be able to get through? But here's the thing you talk about grades. We love to talk about it because it's a topical conversation who won, who lost. But how many times do we we got to wait to see it play out, you know, with these young men? Because, you, you know, are they transformative players right away? Or is it going to be a project and take well, time? Yeah, the reason I say the city of New York wins is even if these guys are busts, which I certainly doubt, but you never know. Even if they're busts, that's going to be what? At least a two, three-year three process yeah, yeah. to even yep. find that out. And there's going to be all kinds of jersey sales and everything else uh, that starts happening before that. I mean, the, immediately alongside Odell, Saquon and Sam are the top two jerseys uh, in in New York, right? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. 
And it gives the fans that boost that they were looking for as far as optimistically looking at where we go. You know what I mean? Now, again, the expectations for Darnold are a lot different than Barkley because you still have Eli and Odell. Right. So he's going to be able to kind of ease in a little bit more. Darnold from day one is expected to turn this Jets team around, period. Two different expectations. You know what I mean? But I think both are ready for the challenge. Dan Orlovsky on the NFL joins us coming up next. Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, and also uh, coming up down the road here. The, the, the next five months, the biggest sporting events out there are all missing one particular thing. Tell you next. Okay, Dan Orlovsky in a half hour, and Dan wrote a really cool piece for the Players' Tribune talking about each of the top five quarterbacks the good, the bad, and the fit. And it's fun now to really read that article knowing what ended up happening. So we're going to chat with Dan coming up in a little bit. Mark Willard, Jim Jackson. We're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com for a free rate quote. Also underway, second half. Rockets, Jazz, not a lot of drama. Rockets pummeling away up by 25 to start the second half here, 64 to 39. It really is shaping up, Jim, with what happened earlier today, the Cavs surviving. And I think you and I share the thought about the mental edge they may have over the Raptors. It's shaping up as the conference finals will be Houston versus Golden State and Philadelphia versus Cleveland. And I only have three words. Sign me up. <laughs> I mean, that's good. Well, how, how about this? That's good. How about having Boston and Philly back in the mix playing each other in the second round? No, that's MI5. great. I mean, it's great, but you said earlier, I like superstars. That's true. Boston's, but, Boston's wonderful, and it's the green, and it's all those things, but it just doesn't feel the same. There's no Kyrie. I, it, no Gordon Hayward. We haven't even really seen that yet, but no Kyrie kind of ruins that matchup. You, you know who the star is, though? The star of that? That team is Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. It's Brad, and I said he was an X-factor from the beginning, uh, and I said that about Quinn Snyder in, in regards to the OKC. But now is where the talent, and I think the lack thereof across the board for Boston will come into effect against this deep and talented Philly team because it's a different kind of matchup with this Philly team. Right. They can beat you in so many different ways because you have an interior post presence, but yet you have a playmaker in Ben Simmons you have shooters on the perimeter, defensive guys. So it's a different but fun matchup, intriguing matchup. But um, Philly, I think, just has too much in their arsenal in a seven-game series for this Boston team. But it should be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And if we do get that as the Final Four, I would say that the NBA season, in many respects, is like two weeks longer than it was the last couple of years, where we already knew Cavs are going to play yeah, the Warriors, yeah. wake me up when we get there, uh, and then we get there, and then we see whatever we see. Uh, this time, I mean, if the Rockets are hosting the Warriors and uh, the Cavs are on the road at uh, at the process, uh, I'm open-minded to that could go any of four ways. Like what? Well, I could see Cleveland or Philly winning. I could see Houston or Golden State winning. I can't see Cleveland or Philly necessarily winning the title. Right, right. I right. see Houston or Golden State winning the title, but you have series where you just don't even feel like you know who's going to win. Um, before they start. Hmm. I know in the back of my mind, I mean, here's what I would think. Let's assume it's the way too early assumption Okay, that game one between Houston and Golden State is, you know, a couple weeks away. Okay. Okay. 
going into that series, people will say, okay, you know, Houston, this is a real threat. But how much would you fall back on the history, which is Chris Paul's never been this far. James Harden's not got any good history when it gets this far. And Mike D'Antoni really has no good history when it gets this far. How much would that matter? Well, it does matter because you are a reflection of your past history and what you've been able to do. Now, can they overcome that? Of course they can. They can do that in regards to how they perform. But the overriding factor is with this Houston series is Chris Paul, to me, is his ability to perform on that high level, but also for Mike D'Antoni to be able to construct the game plan that allows this Houston team to really compete at a high level, especially on the defensive end of the court. I think that's where this game can change because both teams can score. I didn't question it. Right, right. But you, you have to be able to, to lock in, especially with this Golden State team, because their movements are just so incredibly deceptive in regards to guard splits and how you guard that as an opposing team, what you take away. And they get so many easy layoffs because of that. You have to figure out what you're going to take away. Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, Fox Sports Radio. All right, let me uh, throw this at you. I'm looking at you, baseball. So the draft is over. So let's talk about what major sporting events are left between now <laughs> and NFL opening night. Let's take a look at what's what's coming up here. I got I got my top seven. You tell me if I missed something. Okay. All right? And this is in no particular order. NBA Finals. NBA Free Agency. U.S. Open Golf. Open Championship Golf. PGA Championship Golf. Stanley Cup Final, if that floats your boat. World Cup this year. Okay, these are my top seven sporting events coming before the NFL season opens. None of them involve the sport that is in the middle of its season right now. This is baseball's problem. And I'm not telling you, today's not the day for solutions yet. Yeah, I can't even think of any. I don't know what they create. But these other sports have done such an amazing job of staying relevant for 12 months out of the year that they have attacked the summer mm-hmm. where baseball is just sitting there thinking, ah, oh, the kids are in flip-flops, they're out of school, and everybody wants to go to the old ball yard. Well, the kids in flip-flops now all have Xboxes, and uh, their minds are moving quicker than ever. And the World Cup is coming, and the Warriors are coming, and the Rockets are coming, and uh, Tigers back in the in the you major championships. One. What did I forget? The big three, baby. You mean the big three? <laughs> <laughs> the big three is coming June twenty second. Ten cities coming close to you all the way through oh, August, baby. I cannot, the second year. I cannot believe <laughs> you forgot. I missed that. that one. Come on, man. That's why I'm here. Okay. Yeah, and I got a stake in that because I called a game. So, <laughs> come, you're not playing in the game because I'm forty seven. Why? Is there a rule against somebody being over 45? No, it's a rule that I'm 47 and ain't played in 12 years and okay. I'm not going to embarrass myself. I mean, or, aren't there, aren't there... more importantly, hurt myself to take away from my golf game. Listen, let me tell you something right now. Uh, right before, I, think, I don't even think I was 40 yet. I was playing in the local men's league. I started getting hurt when nothing had even happened. Oh, yeah. I was backpedaling and my ankle just snapped. I went to a buddy of mine who's an orthopedic surgeon. He goes, so let me tell you something about turning 40 years old. He goes, 
I don't know if you know this. It sounds like you don't. Here's the deal. Basketball's over. <laughs> That's all. Because I have this wonderful five-bedroom Southern California house because my office is a line of you trying to play, <laughs> play basketball. basketball. Yeah. yeah. Like, so just, you know, I, I'm doing well financially, so let me give you a tip. Stop playing basketball. And it's I hard, have, bro. I haven't played again. Listen, it's a I've lot never of, played again. It's, it's a lot of I, I stopped playing in 06. <laughs> and I I played one time after that in 07. That was it. I was done. But it's a lot of guys that play out here in Calabasas in the league. Yes. Okay? But here's the thing, I think, with the pro guys. If you continue to play after you retire, you're, you're pretty good. Yeah, you've got you, to you do you, it you, all you got to keep right. – but if you stop and you now try to start – Bro, that's that's this, okay, this, this is brewing disaster. This is what man. I did, and it's not even just it, that. Like this league was one or two nights a week at seven o'clock. My wife looked at me as I limped home, and she's like, "Okay, you, you guys all go sit in offices all day, then you come home, then you have dinner, and then you don't do any yoga or any stretching during the week, and off you head to the local gym, so two hundred and fifty pound, forty five year olds can lean on you." She was like, you have no chance. It made no sense, right? And so I was like, she sounded like uh, Adrian and Rocky. You can't you, win. You can't win. Listen, listen. And I was like, you're right. And I, I stopped playing basketball. Mark, <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had my crew back at home. I was back in Ohio, and they convinced me to come out and play. <laughs> and again, we played at a smaller gym, which was perfect. Okay. I'm in running. I'm doing stuff. And let me tell you something. <laughs> I ended up playing too. Like Friday, and I went back on a Monday. I mean, I had body parts that were hurting. <laughs> my ears hurt. I don't know how, okay? The scabs on my feet. <laughs> I had on these nice Jordans. I think yeah. they were the 11s, maybe. I don't know. But I had scabs because you, you form calluses on your feet because you play so much. Right. My feet got soft over the year. <laughs> my feet are burning. Okay, knees, back, everything. I'm like, I would never do this again. Ne- this is over. It's over. And a broadcasting career was born. It was born. It was born. It was born. <laughs> and I got out of that relatively healthy, whereas, as you know, as a player, you come back, you do something simple. Like you talked about, you just backpedal ankle. Yes. Well, I know a lot of guys that go up for a rebound, turn, and want to sprint, pop, there goes the Achilles. Boom. Oh, or if they make it a move, bop, there goes the ACL. By the way, a friend of mine, while this was all going on, he and he wasn't playing basketball, but he popped his Achilles, and I watched what that's like. It li- That honestly was the number one reason I mm-hmm. stopped. I go, we have little children at the house who want a rough house every day. Yep. I'm like, I, I cannot – Take the chance on the Achilles. executive decision, baby. It, yeah, I did. Exactly. I, made I, t- I took decision. the easy way out and said, "Golf will be my focus." That that's my competitive I, edge right there. By the way, I lied because I did come back one more time. See, here it goes. I, here, here, I got, go. I got help. Well, our, our team made the championship game, and I was just healthy enough to like put in a few minutes. So I went in. <laughs> I put in a few minutes. I got my All ring. Right, there you go. I got my ring, and uh, you know that was it. And off into the sunset. So it was all done. Um, but anyway, going back to what we were saying, yeah. I don't know what baseball does here. What does baseball do? We have got, add the big three in there, eight phenomenal events between now and NFL opening night, and none of them involve baseball. 
I know, man. It, and it's it, it's too bad too because you got some phenomenal young players that play in the yeah. game. But from a purely marketing perspective and the interest, and it's always been I ain't gonna say it's always been a channel. I think, but as time has evolved, the summertime has changed so much in what we view and what we do because of the information age. That before, when there wasn't much to do, the the thing was baseball in the summer. Yes, that was it. Right. But now it seems like the times have caught up, and now the young people are not involved. We're all moving too fast. All moving too and, fast and, to and, sit and watch a baseball and game. It's our. It, it it is a problem for us. I'm not saying it's right, but the world is moving too fast, and baseball doesn't. But fit. what what do? But what do? If you're in the commissioner's office, if you're yeah. in there with these intelligent people what do you do what's the you know you try to market I, yes. individuals and push yes. it so you people I, can go I, and what but I, what I'm you try hi- to change I'm, some things in the game to speed it up i'm hiring david stern as a consultant it's the first thing i'm doing hey david how did you construct this league where you go out there and score 22 points a night and you become overnight an icon worth a quarter billion dollars to a team. That's what baseball needs to find. And I know that Bryce Harper will get a quarter of a billion dollars too. Right. But when Bryce stands at home plate and watches his 15th row home run, let him stand there. Call the other team and tell him, don't throw the ball at him next time up because it's what we want to see. So, David, please come to the office and explain (laughs) to us how we can create some stars in our league. That's what I would do. I know, and you, and you have you have some there, but is the again? It was built upon you. You had this older generation who really followed baseball. That has kind of started to pass. So the younger generation, with so many other things on their mind, whether it's entrepreneurial, other sports, soccer has taken off. But I'm gonna tell you what too. This is the summer now where, with Tiger being back, at mm-hmm. least you had because golf went through the same thing in sure. regards oh, to course. the lack of interest. Unless you were a guy that really loved to watch golf, right. the intrigue wasn't there. Even though they were promoting the Justin Thomases, the Rorys, the Jordan Spieths, the Jason Days, they were really putting the emphasis on pushing. But none of them had an intriguing enough story to make the novice person really tune in and blow the charts off as far as rating. Yep. Yep. Mark Willard, Jim Jackson. Um, eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. Dan Orlovsky in fifteen minutes. But before we do that, dial in right now eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. We're going to ask a question, then we'll tell you why we're asking coming up. Do you believe that when you buy a ticket, it gives you an invitation to be a jerk? That's next. All right, with Jim Jackson, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio, Dan Orlovsky in ten minutes. What does it mean when Geico says? Just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Thrilled you're with us, 877-99 on Fox. So I saw Russ walk off the court the other night, and this one wasn't really that big a deal. No one actually made contact with anybody. Russ got mad, highly emotional moment. Uh, Somebody puts a phone in his face, tries to get some up-close video. Uh, Russ kind of slaps back at it, but... Uh, then he also goes in the press conference, ripped Utah fans, said that uh, people here are disrespectful and, and, and vulgar, and, uh, and, and we need to look at it. And so, okay, hey, like, like I was thinking about this. What's your experience with this? Not just Utah, in general. Like, what was the worst fan interaction you ever had? The worst. Uh, but 
I wouldn't say the worst. I've always had well fans that want to say something. Sure, always, whether it's about family or you personally. I mean, it's always been like that. I mean, I never had someone like walking out. Like now, remember with Russ, it happened twice. It happened at halftime mm-hmm. where a guy was leaning over really close to Russ, and he said some guy jumped back. So that was the second time. And the phone incident was because it was right near his face. Yeah. So that happened to I never had something like that. I had people yell. And apparently Russ hates that. Like I saw what, a, an interesting tweet that was a different angle on this story from Ramona Shelburne. Uh-huh. She said, uh, this is a thing with Russ. And it's a thing, for instance, when the media is talking to him and microphones end up, he does not like it when people are up on him. He just doesn't like it. It's a Russ thing. He doesn't like that. And so he's maybe more sensitive than the norm. Yeah, it, it, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thin line because – Fans who tried – I remember when when Vernon Maxwell's daughter was sick. He was playing in Portland. He was playing for the Rockets. Man, you you, you remember what happened in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Well, Vernon ran in the stands because yeah. he said something about his daughter. Up into like the 10th row. Yeah, said yeah. something about his daughter. Fans have the tendency to think that you buy the ticket, you can say whatever the hell you want. Okay, you, you have – you can be a fan, you can cheer, you can boo, you can do – but when you start getting personal, that's when you got an issue. Now, is it right for a player to do anything? No. Send somebody up there, send security, get them out of there. That's the best thing you can do because you're not going to win in that situation sure. being the player. You're just not. Right. Okay, what it is, what they say, how they do it, you're not going to win that. Get security, tell them, get them out of there. That's the easiest thing to do. But when you're emotional like Russ, sometimes you don't think about that. Sure. You know what I mean? But fans do think they have the right to say what the hell whatever they want. What if it's a race thing? In regards to what I mean, they did, say? Did you yeah. Did oh, you, I've heard, oh, you big, heard that. Oh, oh you sure. big time. I say, yeah. well, you know, if, you, if that's the case, I'll give you a pass so we can talk about it afterwards. Hmm. You can come in the back. <laughs> if you if you Billy Bad Butt <laughs> right now in the stands, why not? Okay, you 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 you're protected because <laughs> right. you're out here. Right. But would you and Russ said it, if I'm walking down the street, would you do that? Would you say it? Oh, of course not. Of course you would. Not some guys would though. Don't get me wrong. No, some, but I'm just saying that's, that's a fan dynamic anyway. I'll give you an example. So he's a cupcake, right? Oh, he's a cupcake. He's a cupcake. If Kevin Durant walked into a mall in Oklahoma City, he wouldn't be able to get four steps without a hundred pictures, autographs, all of that. The love would pour out of that place. You think people would what surround him and start chanting "cupcake" to his face? No, they wouldn't. So I understand the dynamics that that that, that take over mm-hmm. when everyone goes into a game. But I do think it's often over the top. We haven't even brought up the idea like, okay, so you're heckling a player. You think it's funny. Some people around you may think it's funny. It gets vulgar. Um, hey, player, you make millions. You should be able to handle it. Well, what about me sitting right behind you with my son? What about that? See, and I don't think about that, too. And, and I, I, so I, I am uh, – fascinated and frustrated by the idea because that's the number one answer. Hey, I bought a ticket. Well, we buy tickets to a lot of things. We go to a lot of things and spend our money. So it you doesn't go, you go, give you, you an go. invitation to be a, a, a jerk. <laughs> so you go to the opera. Right. And be in the opera be like, hey, bro, uh, you missed that note right there. Right. You suck. You suck. You suck. <laughs> you suck. Right as but she's I, at her but top I, of her exactly, nose. But I, brought, I bought the ticket. I paid for this box seat right here, and I want to yell it out. That, But it's an environment. See, in those environments, you kind of know. Like when you go to Augusta, 
Okay, you know the protocol. <laughs> That's a weird environment. Okay, too. Uh, but it but is. you know the protocol. But it's different than if you pl- go to Phoenix Waste Management, where now you got more of a raucous crowd. See, and you know what I love about that one though is they're creative, they're knowledgeable. I bet that you athletes actually appreciate it, even if it's poke, poke, poke. Maybe not vulgar. Maybe not overly personal, but. The hecklers on the 17th hole at the Waste Management Open in Phoenix, they've, they've researched you online. And they're going to find something that is maybe playful, but edu- they're educated about it, and they're going to come after Let you Let me give that. you two examples. You guys will like that, right? In NBA, it was two famous hecklers, one in Cleveland and one in Washington. Robin. Robin Ficker. Robin Ficker. I remember. Let me tell you something. He was annoying <laughs> as hell, but he was awesome. He knew his stuff. He... One more time we were playing there, Quinn Buckner was our coach, and he was right behind us. Quinn is drawing up a play. He's behind us stomping. Don't listen to him. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Don't do it. You can't listen to this idiot. He doesn't know. He started running off stuff. Then he had a big sign. He he had Emmy Axon, Amal Mashburn, and Asen Kidd. None of you had any J's. I mean, you know what I mean? He's sitting there, if you remember the famous one, he's sitting behind the Bulls bench reading out of uh, the book about Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget the name of it, but he was reading out the book. It was a critical part in the fourth quarter where he's reading out the book, don't give the ball to Bill Cartwright in the fourth quarter. And he's just reading excerpts out the book while they're in the huddle. You can see guys laughing. So he was ed- he was annoying, but he was educated and he had some good stuff. You guys appreciated it. You had to laugh. Sometimes he, you just had to laugh, right? Bro. And, and you, you, the players, someone's got a sick kid. He didn't go there. He, did he? he didn't go he there. He didn't go he there. Did, he he kept it. Kept, he kept it basketball. He, he kept it basketball, but he, it was so creative. But now you got, you know, where people are going to say some racial stuff. They're going to talk about your family. They're going to say, okay, you can say I'm terrible at basketball. You can say you hate what I do. That's fine. Just leave the family and personal stuff out of it. I can deal with the fact you think I suck. You think I'm dead. That's fine. But the other personal stuff is when you start to cross that line. I just, you know, I'm I'm someone who I'm going to try to look at this on all sides. And I get that an athlete, the salaries, it's part of the job. Um, You know, Rich sat here yesterday and said, you're not going to get to me with words. You know, outside of maybe a couple. Right. You're not going to get to me with words. And so I'm with you. As you said, the player's not going to win that battle. But this is a shared responsibility to me. And the fans have their share of it. They, they, they absolutely have their share of it. Buying a ticket means nothing with regard to what you're supposed to be able to get away with. All right, Dan Orlovsky, uh, 12 years in the league as a quarterback, wrote a great article on the Players' Tribune about the five first-round quarterbacks, his evaluation, the good, the bad, where they should have gone. We'll visit with him in just a moment on Fox Sports Radio, but let's get K-Fig in here as well with the latest out and about. K-Fig. All right, guys, they're headed to the fourth quarter in Houston, game one between the Rockets and Jazz, and right now H-Town is steamrolling Utah. It's now 86-66 to as CP3 hit a three-pointer ahead of the three-point buzzer. He has 17 points and six assists. James Harden leading the way for Houston with 28 points on 9 of 18 shooting. Rookie Donovan Mitchell pacing the Jazz with 19 points. Earlier, LeBron James, he now remains unbeaten in the first-round series as he and the Cavaliers beat the Pacers one 
105 to 101 in Game 7 in Cleveland. James with a game-high 45 points on 16 of 25 shooting. Cavs out-rebounded Indy 54 to 46. Tristan Thompson, the main reason for that is he had 15 points and 10 boards in 32 minutes of work. Victor Oladipo scored 30 for the Pacers in the loss. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. In baseball, the Mets lead the Padres 4-2 in the fourth. Mark Willich, Giants leading the Dodgers 3-0 in the second. Earlier, the Red Sox snapped the Rays' eight-game win streak with a 4-3 victory. Mariners hammered the Indians 10-4. Wins for the Cubs, Astros, and Nationals. Angels will host the Yankees in the Sunday night game. And in the Stanley Cup playoffs, they're early in the third period. Capitals lead the Penguins 3-1 as they look to tie that series at a game apiece. Guys? All right, Kevin, good stuff. Thank you so much. Great job today. Coming to you live. Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let's welcome him in. 12 years as an NFL quarterback, Dan Orlovsky. And, Dan, I'm thumbing through uh, the Elite QB Prospects 101 article on Players' Tribune, and I'm like, whoa, he said what about Josh Allen? So – uh, let's hear it. Your thoughts on somebody making Josh Allen their their future quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand a team falling in love with him because we're visual people, and coaches in the NFL always think they can take one guy from here and bring him here, especially at the quarterback position. They always think they can get a guy to the next level. I just know this. There's a massive difference in the NFL between being a thrower and playing quarterback. There's plenty of guys on NFL rosters that are big, athletic, and can throw a football. There's just that that's the, the minimal part of the job. You've got to be able to think and diagnose and react accordingly and do it at a almost perfect level consistently. And when you watch tape on Josh Allen, yes, the physical is there, like everyone can realize. But he struggles to do some of those things that are going to allow him to be great. He might be good because he's so physically talented. But you didn't take him that early to be good. You took him that early to be great. And to be great, you've got to do things at the line of scrimmage like change protections. You've got to be able to see hot routes. You've got to understand how defensive fronts are going to marry and attack your protections. You've got to see coverages and disguise and rotations. And so to do all those things consistently is really difficult. And I just know I haven't seen a lot of guys in the NFL that have come from college and not been able to do it in college and then all of a sudden can be able to do it at the NFL level because it's harder. Details are more intricate. They disguise more. And so I just, my thing is, you've got to be able to play the quarterback position from the neck up to become really good in the NFL. Well, and I think that goes into my um, thinking here with Lamar Jackson. A lot of people want to talk about Michael Vick, also Deshaun Watson, but you came up with an interesting comparison because of his athleticism. You talked about he still has to learn different intricacies of the NFL, but you compared them a little bit more to Jake Plummer. Why is that? Yeah, well, I think the Michael Vick thing is just lazy. Oh, he's really athletic, so let's throw out the most athletic guy we've seen in the last 15 years. Deshaun Watson was – here's the difference between Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's greatest strength was throwing the football, and the variable of his athleticism is what made him the player that he is. (laughs) Lamar Jackson's greatest strength is running around and being an athlete. And the variable of him being able to throw makes him that intriguing prospect. But if you're a team in the NFL and you take Lamar Jackson like Baltimore did, the, the biggest thing you can't do is ask him to be somebody that he's not. 
And that's what the Broncos did with Jake Plummer. They never asked him to drop back 25 times a game, stand in the pocket, and be boring. They realized his greatest strength was his athleticism, so they did a ton of movement, got him on the edges a bunch, changed his launch point, and so the defense never knew what he was doing. And that's what Baltimore needs to do because it's going to allow Jackson to play to his greatest strength. It, to change him or ask him to drop back a bunch would be like telling Allen Iverson, hey, you can come play in the NBA, <laughs> but no crossover. You would never right. do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you would never do that. And so don't ask Lamar Jackson to do it. And my thing is this. If you implement that offense that has a little bit of spread to it, then you can con- continuously get him on the edges and get him on the corners why can't he have a career like Jake Plummer did? Because he's a better thrower of the football than he is, and he's way more athletic. So that's the thing is I can see him getting on the edges a bunch, utilizing those play actions and being a, a weapon. That's how you use him as a weapon. You don't design runs for him. You put pressure on the defense by giving him the option to either run or throw. Dan Orlovsky joining us 12 years in the league as an NFL quarterback. His article on Players' Tribune is Elite QB Prospects 101. The most interesting part, and there are a bunch of them in there, Dan, but the most for me is you read what you said about Baker Mayfield and you come away going, wow, Dan really likes Baker Mayfield. And then you get to the end of the article and you state the Browns would be crazy to not take this guy number one and you're not talking about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, I like Baker Mayfield. I do. But, again, if the, when the Browns are, are making a selection at number one, they had to find a guy that was going to change their franchise. Not that we thought man, this guy's going to be really good, but the expectation level is you have now changed our franchise for the next decade. As much as I like Baker Mayfield, I like Sam Darnold way more. I mean, if I'm going to take you number one at defensive end, you better be six foot six, two hundred ninety pounds, and run four four. If I'm going to do take you number one at receiver, you better have those same kind of attributes. When I take you number one at quarterback, I don't really care what you look like but you better have parts of your game that I can't coach. I just can't coach that into you. And I thought Sam Darnold had traits in his game, three things that we couldn't coach. You can't find somebody in the NFL that can coach that to him. I didn't see anything like that in Baker Mayfield, and that's why I would have taken Sam Darnold over Mayfield if I was the Browns. Well, speaking of that, too, what about Josh Rosen? In regards to do you think that him going to Arizona a little bit later but still out west is a better fit for him than maybe earlier in that first round? I, I absolutely do. I actually think Rosen's in the best place fit-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the quarterbacks for, for a while over the last, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years that have come in and, and kind of played really early on in their careers and had some success that was sustainable, one, they had a really good guy play caller-wise that knew how to call plays, and that's what Darnold has with Mike, or Josh Rosen has with Mike McCoy, and two, they had a defense. I mean, Arizona's got a top six, top seven defense returning coming back from last year. And what that does for a quarterback when you're a young guy is you don't have to play so cautious. You don't have to just be, you know, some coaches will, will ruin young guys because like, hey, listen, we've got a good defense and good special teams. Just don't turn the ball over. Mike McCoy doesn't subscribe to that. He's going to push the ball downfield. And Rosen can be a little bit more aggressive because he knows – uh, if I make a mistake, I've got a really good defense behind me that, that can bail me out. And that allows young quarterbacks to learn. It allows young quarterbacks to go and learn themselves. Because you learn by going, I wonder if I can make this throw. Can I make those throws consistently in the NFL in games? And so I think Rosen's got a really good fit. He's going to have Larry Fitzgerald to learn from. They drafted Christian Kirk from A&M. They're going to have David Johnson back. So he's got a really good fit to go out there and be the guy for a long time. 
Dan, great stuff, great article. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. All right, Dan Orlovsky, 12 years as a QB in the NFL. I think the point you just brought up is a really, really good one. I always think of Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. One of them was going to be number one, and as it turned out, the other one was going to sit there for hours on end waiting for his name to be called. And your ego gets hurt. Oh, big time. There's a camera, 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 camera. There he is, still sitting there. Josh Rosen, everybody made mistakes who didn't pick me, all that stuff. Okay, but now that we know uh, what their careers look like, whose career do you want? You want Aaron Rodgers and his salary and career? Or do you want Alex Smith and his salary or career? By the way, spoiler alert, I'd take either. But, (laughs) yeah, which do you want? So it's often a blessing and I think it's huge for Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold that they're not Browns. Well, it, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> because you you no matter how talented you are, I don't care what sport it is. Okay, depending on who drafts you, okay, or if you're a free agent, you go to the right team that fits what you do well. You have the components, and Dan talked about the components for Arizona defensively. They're ranked high. Talking about an offensive coordinator that gets it, that puts you in the right position. You have outstanding players surrounded you. Now you as a young quarterback don't feel the pressure of being the number one pick, being the high expectations. He's able now to go into a situation where I think best fits what he does. Forget about I didn't go number one. Let's look at this five years from now, six, and see where you're at. And if you're on the top of the heat in regards to those guys, then it worked out the way it should have. Forget number one. You're talking about that next contract, big-time deal, because you're balling in Arizona. You have a great opportunity right there with a system that probably fits you a lot better than the Jets, but more importantly, also much better than maybe the Browns. Yeah, no doubt. With Jim Jackson, Mark Willard, the give-and-go is coming up next on Fox Sports Radio. Jazz gave it the old college try. Too little, too late. Although... Still six minutes to go in the game. Stop it. But, yeah, they're down by 15. It's a tough turnaround, though. Yeah, yeah, no to, doubt. To prepare for this Houston oh. team, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, you kind of figured Houston would be able to take a game two as the one for them that if they can sneak that one, it gives them a position to, you know, have home court and get back to Utah. But <laughs> quick turnaround like that, bro. No doubt. I'm laughing because, you know, James Harden, you remember the probably the most famous, most viral play that happened this year. Um, please tell me Donovan Mitchell didn't just get hurt. Mm-mm. Um. Okay, he looks all right. Uh, but remember, was it was it Wesley Johnson? Yep. The James Harden Excuse just me, miss. just took his shoes <laughs> Excuse off. Excuse me, and looked at him. So he just <laughs> this is a very mini version of it. He just did a shake and bake and shook somebody so bad there was no one five feet around him, and then he let it fly and it barely touched the rim. So that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody end up embarrassed. Uh, okay, great news. Quick way you can save some money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. We're in the GEICO Fox Sports Radio studios, and that's where we finish up with the give and go. Yes, sir, gentlemen, the give and go, Fox Sports Radio, Mark Willard, Jim Jackson. We finished every show this way where we tried to touch on a couple of stories we didn't quite have time to get to during our three hours. And uh, we did touch a little bit on the LeBron James and the Cavs. And this just posted in the last couple of minutes here, the odds for the Eastern Conference semifinal matchup between Toronto and Cleveland. 
The Cavs are underdogs, making it the first time since 2008 LeBron has been an underdog in the East. We'll start with you, Jim. Are you surprised? No, not 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 surprised at all just because of the makeup of the team and how they played against Indiana. You, you figure that Toronto is a better team. They, they were number one. Mm-hmm. So you figure the odds and how they played Cleveland in that makeup, yeah, they'd be an underdog, but yet and still you got the best player in the universe. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. Um, the one seed, the narrative right now that the Cavaliers have absolutely nothing around him. But can I also add, this is phenomenal news for LeBron James. It's phenomenal news because not only can it be used as a motivator in the locker room, but hell, if he loses this series, he was supposed to lose this series. Mm. And then he can start, you know, getting flights to L.A. and all that good stuff. That's coming <laughs> so you still yeah. on that, man. Oh, yeah. By the way, I'm not leaving here either, just, just so you know. Right. where we're going to be for the next two months. All right. <laughs> Future Laker. LeBron James. Hashtag. All right. Story number two. Now, gentlemen, we touched on it earlier. It was a very quarterback-heavy draft. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen all going in the top ten. The fans are excited, but you know who's not excited? Tyrod Taylor, Josh McCown, yeah. Sam Bradford, and A.J. <laughs> yeah. McCann. So, Mark, we'll start with you. Which veteran QB do you expect to get replaced first and why? Oh, boy, this is a good question. Okay, um, McCown. McCown is the first one to get replaced because I think, you know, Josh Allen's probably not quite NFL ready. Um, Sam Bradford's being paid $15 million. There's a reason for that. Tyrod Taylor is a good quarterback who has brand new weapons, but the Jets, Josh McCown is what? Like older than Tom Brady. It's so expected. And Sam Darnold is one of the most ready rookies. Um, I think the excitement level is the highest in New York for their rookie QB. I'll go Darnold as the first rookie to take a snap. Hey, how about this? McGowan right now over the summer saying all the right things. I'm ready. I'm compete for the starting job. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win it. And Sam Darnold, as soon as he shows any progress, is in the starting lineup. He might be week one. Yeah. He might be week one. That's a wrong answer for both of you. The correct answer <laughs> what? is I was uh, say Josh Rosen. Is Josh Rosen because yeah. Sam Bradford's already hurt. I yeah, mean, he, that, well, no, he that's woke true. up this morning and his that's knees hurt. Will you remind America what school you went to? I didn't go to UCLA. I wish oh, I couldn't get in. Would you remind America what school you root for? I root for UCLA. You see, okay, 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 thank you. Thank you. I was trying to give you. you a little Hold up, but, but, but couldn't both be right? Yeah, I mean, I could see them both starting okay. very early. Well, stop for, being a homer for, for UCLA. For two totally then. different reasons, though. Okay. One of them because the guys heard the other one. Is just it, was a lo- it, was a, it was a loaded question. <laughs> it was a loaded question. I did do a TV show this week where I called Sam Bradford a glass plate. I, I did do that. They're like, yeah. I'm like, this is good for Josh Rosen. He's- what, what was that movie when the dude broke? I mean, oh, what was it? Gla- he just, <laughs> unbreakable. Unbreakable. And it just Unbreakable. Everything. Sam Jackson. Yeah, Sam Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Bradford's kind of the Terminator version of it, though. Yeah. He goes glass and breaks, and then he just molds back together and keeps walking. There you go. All right, last one, the give and go, Fox Sports Radio. Now, Jim Harbaugh, head coach in Michigan, is really, really concerned <laughs> about free agency in college football, and he's proposing – a concept that's kind of similar to what you see in baseball where guys get traded for cash considerations. Hmm. So he wants a new school to be able to pay back the scholarship back to the old school in exchange for a player if they want to transfer. Jim, we'll start with you. Do you think that's a good idea? First of all, I think Jim Harbaugh better worry about beating Michigan State and Ohio State. First of all, uh, no. No, you're starting to get into some complications here with 
trading money and, and student athletes. And I know Jim Harbaugh is like, you know, wants to be ahead of the curve. But this is a curve I think you don't need to turn. Well, I tell you what. I totally agree with you. This is an <laughs> awful idea. And I'm a huge Jim Harbaugh supporter and fan. But this is a terrible idea. And the main reason is this. With everything that's going on right now in the NCAA and the way people are viewing college athletes, the last thing any big-time university should be saying is, oh, by the way, oh, somebody should be paying us more money for the transactions exactly. that, 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 uh, that, that take place. If anybody needs a transaction, it better be a player, not a school, not a coach, not an administrator, a player. So this, to me, rings pretty tone deaf. All right, there it is. Give and go. Mark Willard, Jim Jackson. Uh, awesome that, uh, that you spent some time with us today. You know, that next series for LeBron. All right, so he's an underdog, and neither of us are surprised that Vegas called him an underdog. But let's take Vegas out of it. Do you just feel like he's an underdog? So that tells me you're expecting Toronto to win the series. No, no. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I just. It's something about having the greatest player, and them keeping it close, especially if they win. That that's I, first game may be tough for them to win there, but that second game to get a home court advantage, having that guy as your leader works in the NBA. It. It, 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 in any other sport, it works in this sport. You know, and people talk about parity problems, parity and whatever. Parity, schmarity. Yeah, parity, the reason in the NBA, you know, it, oh, the big market, the small market, no, it, it's none of that. You want stars, baby. It, yeah, it's like there's only so many guys that can take over and they win. And so whoever has them wins, like 90% of the time, right? Um, all right, so LeBron and the Raptors, the entire second round is set. Uh, Houston is continuing to win this one right now with three minutes left to go. They continue to lead the Utah Jazz 103-90 to in Game 1 of this series. Mark Willer, Jim Jackson, we'll talk Peace. to you next week. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts more Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.